This is the MFG Cast. Hey guys, I'm Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. And welcome to another boring episode. I'm just kidding. Welcome to another exciting episode of the MFG cast. We're going to be talking this episode about the Spiels des Jahres nominees, or de Jahres, or however you'd like to say it. I'm bad at German, even though that's kind of my background. Basically, game of the year. We'll also be talking about children's game of the year, and then the Kennerspiel des Jahres. This is basically Germany's Game of the Year, it's a prestigious award, but before we get into that, let's talk about what we're now playing. I'll start first. Got a couple of uh, games in, uh, one new and, and another that's older that it, we, you know, we talked about being content with your collection, so we decided to bring out some older, an older game to play. Um, the first one we got to play is The Fox in the Forest by Renegade Games and Fox Draw Games. I think this game is a fun two-player card uh, uh, trick-taking game. What I've decided now is that I don't need another trick-taking game anymore. I've got too many trick-takings, and they're all starting to kind of look the same. Now, again, now you heard me say that I like this game a lot, so don't, you know, don't think that you can't have this game if you have other trick-taking games. I just have decided that unless there is a trick-taking game that just blows trick-taking out of the water and has this amazing, like component or you know mechanic that really just explodes and makes uh the trick-taking genre into another thing i will probably not buy another trick-taking game again (laughs) so just keep that in mind when i probably say this another six months when i have another one but basically when you're playing this game it's a two-player trick-taking game and the art on this is just beautiful it's uh by artist jennifer meyer and keith Pishneri, if I'm saying that right, which I'm probably not, because I usually get those wrong. So a two-player game where, again, it's just like any trick-taking game, you know, you lead with a suit and the other person has to either match that suit if they have it, or use a trump. But on these, they've got, you know, uh, different cards that kind of mean different things. Like, a number one is a swan, so if you play it and you lose the trick, you can lead the next trick. So you can possibly, you know, gain more cards by leading the next trick. You have a fox that when you play it, you can exchange, they call the decree card, which is basically the trump card with a card in your hand. So that means you can switch the trick. Uh, number five is a woodcutter. When you draw, uh, when you play it, you draw one, and then you discard any one of your cards to the bottom so you can get rid of a crappy card that you don't like. Uh, number seven is a treasure, and you get a point if you win that trick. Number nine is a witch that, when you determine the winner of the trick, and there's only the and you've only played the one nine, you can treat that as a trump. And then there's an eleven, which is the top of the suit. There's one through eleven. Uh, when you lead this, if your opponent has a card of that suit, they must play either a one of that suit or their highest ranked card. So most of the time, you're gonna get somebody to throw out a huge card. 
and they're gonna you know lose out but you know sometimes if if they're lucky they'll have that one and they'll be able to kind of get rid of that chaff card um but like i said it's just it's it's one of those that's you know it's it's really fun it's got just gorgeous art you know every you know every one of those uh odd number of cards that I talked about is just a beautiful caricature of an animal or a being and it's just a light easy game to play and it was just it's just one of those that like it's cheap it's easy it's fun it, it, it may be something that you know say if you have like you know diamonds or like I have dragon whisper like I've got a lot of trick taking games possibly you may not need this game but for the price and for being a nice quick two player game I recommend it uh, so I got a couple of quick questions about yes. it for you. So is there only the odd cards, or is there also evens that like do nothing? Because yes. I know all the odd cards have. Abilities. Yes, the evens the evens do nothing. Um, but also what there is too, and this is something I forgot to mention too, is at the end of the round, you depending upon how many tricks you can get, you get you get points too. So you play to twenty one. You know, say during the round you get those that one point for that seven if you win that trick. Well. You also, depending upon the number of tricks, you get points at the end of that round, and then it depends upon whoever has the most. You know, you, you just, it kind of flip-flops. So, like, if you get zero to three tricks, you get six points. So if you, you know, only get a few, okay. you get a decent amount of points. If you get four tricks, you get one. Five, you get two. Six, you get three. Seven through nine, you get six points again. And then if you're greedy and you take 10 to 13, you get zero points. So that's a that's a I remember yeah. hearing about that. So that's that. a way that if you know, if you're just you know, someone's just skunking you and they're like, I'm gonna take this trick, I'm gonna take this trick, and I like the first hand that me and Pl Tracy played, she did not pay attention to this and I did. So she's like, I'm taking this, I'm taking this, I'm like, Yep, okay. I'll give you this big card and she's like, Okay, that's weird. And then, you know, and then eventually I'm like, Oh, here, you have all of them, you get zero points and she's like, What? And I'm like, look at the end of the round scoring. She's like, oh come on, you know. I'm like, gotcha. That's cool though. I like I like the idea of like you can bad play to recover your uh, yeah, folly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, um, and what you were saying with the uh, now the deck is so what is it like, um, like forty four cards or something like that? Twenty cards? Like how many? Is there like a lot to There's it? There's thirty three game cards. Like and basically what I'm curious. Very little cards. Okay, and do you use every card in every game, or is there like? A few burn cards so you can't predict. Uh, yeah, so there's uh, seven remaining cards that you would... So each each player gets a hand of 13, and then seven are set aside. So you take the top card... So you take the top card of the deck, and you... That's basically your trump or your de decree card to go with the story. All right, nice. Yeah, because um, I was always curious about this, because I'm in the same boat. Like, I got... Like a dozen trick-taking games, and I'm looking at all of them. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I have to get rid of like six, because uh, the problem is when you have too many trick-taking games, nobody wants to play any of them. <laughs> you know, I I find like with trick-taking games, it's a genre. It's a uh, where it's people like to know the consistency. So if you're like, okay, let's play diamonds in this game, uh, there's like the four suits and you get to do this, this, and this. And then next time you're like, oh, let's play asteroids. It's like diamonds, except you put these moons out in front of you. And when you score, you can only collect a token that matches a moon that's in front of you. But some cards, uh, like asteroids, will let you change your moons. And people are like, what the hell are you talking about? 
And then the week after, you're like, okay, we're going to play Trickster Champions of Time. So it's kind of like a set collection where you want to get the most of a suit because this way you don't get points. But if you get less than that, you do. And people are like, I don't want to play any <laughs> There's of these too now. many variables. Because there's too yeah. many. Yeah, that's tough. You know? Well, I think with trick-taking games, yeah. I think if you have that many, I think it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, if you're going to, you know, play consistently, then, you know, take that one game and play it consistently. You know, otherwise, I think you could bring that trick-taking game out every once in a while and be like, hey, this is, you know, this is how that works, you know, and then next time, you know, if we want to play this again to, you know, to get used to this one, we can do that. Otherwise, if you guys want to, you know, uh, uh, if you guys want to, you know, change it up, we can. Um, we just had a game day at my at my dad's house not too long ago, and my family was there and stuff like that, and they... I introduced them uh, last time to Dragon Whisperer, and they wanted to play that again because they were really they were really interested in it because they thought that was just a cool you know mechanism. But yeah, I can I can understand like if you know, and then if I pulled out diamonds, then be like, okay, wait a minute, you know, we just got used to this one. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, especially to people that maybe yeah. aren't like well versed in trick taking games, I can understand how you would get like kind of confused. Like, okay, I just got used to this. Why is this one a trick taking game, and why is this so different? You know? Yeah, it's it's kind of like um, I noticed that with like there's some some smaller games I think, and I think it's especially true with like the smaller style games, where people just want to know what it is so they can break it out and play it in between their other games. Or if you only got twenty minutes, like you know, if you tell someone like, oh yeah, we got twenty minutes, let's play this. Okay, here's all the rules. Yeah. People are like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. Because it's like, now they feel like yeah. they're only going to have five minutes yeah, exactly. to play. You know? Um, yeah, so, and uh, you uh, talking about recently? being content with your collection, uh, Mike actually broke out Imperial Assault with the Twin Shadows expansion. And uh, we got to play, I got to play a level, and the cool, the thing I always like about this game, and me and Mike talked about it, like, we only played this two players. Uh, he played the Imperial side, and I played the Rebel side. And no matter what you play, like, he's playing basically kind of like your GM, but he's also gets to play kind of like the meat of the game. So it's like he's he's not only gets to play a character in the game, kind of like a role-playing game, but he also gets to be the GM. So he's like, oh, I know what's coming up, or I know what I can throw in now, you know, where I'm just like, well, I hope this good, I hope this turns out okay, you know? So basically it, it started out as I had two characters, and we were in a cantina. And just happens to just happen to find out that Han Solo's in that cantina too. Cool, you know. So like we're like okay, you know, and uh, so we're like get to hang out with the with the ever popular Han Solo. Well, he needs to get some Imperial codes and get them to the rebels. Well, cool, we'll help you out, you know, or get them to some higher up. So we're like, oh, quick, cool, you know, we'll be able to do this, you know. And meanwhile, he's like, what's up? By the way, real quick. All I could think is when you said he has to get Imperial codes, it's like, and he has to redeem them <laughs> yeah. on the website to yeah, win no free kidding. Mountain Dew, which is, it's like, <laughs> you mean yeah, like yeah, launch yeah, codes. I got it. Okay, continue. Um, so then uh, uh, you were like, okay, well, this should be easy. Well, then he's like, oh, stormtroopers, heavy stormtroopers, here's, you know, this and that, you know? And then we're like, okay, well, this will be a little bit harder. And then Han Solo is such a such a badass that he's like, okay, well, we're going to do this now. So he's, we're like, okay, well, I'm just killing off people. I'm like, okay, well, I think we can make this. You know, we're doing, you know, we're actually doing a pretty good job. And then, um, so then we start to make it out. And I have this one, this one girl that's kind of like, 
she's like really good at at codes and stuff like that. So I'm like, she's got the coach. She's gonna make it. You know, she's got this modified blaster, so she should be okay. Meanwhile, here comes Boba Fett on this outs on the outside. As soon as she gets to the doors, well, of course, you know. So I'm like, oh no. And then she's like, oh, gotta open the door. Get in the door. Going to going to get in the door. And then all of a sudden, oh, there's a bunch of other people just waiting for you. Okay, great, you know. But for some, you know, somehow, some way. Boba Fett did not get a turn at all, and we were able to get those codes and get out of there because she was so good at doing the codes that I just got her by the the, the little code thing, was able to get the codes in, and we were off and running. So it was just cool to be able to play another awesome, you know, old-school game, and Imperial Assault is just it's always been one of my favorites, and I'm and me and Mike decided we're like, we're going to start bringing this back into the rotation because it needs to be there. That's um that's the game that's like basically Star Wars Descent, right? Correct. Like it's a D6 system or anything. So how do you, like how do you crack the codes? Is it like a success die roll or something or is it So basically it's like to um to hack through the doors and everything. It's like a die system, right? Like it's uh, successful die rolls to get in. Yep, yep. So they have like a a mechanic trait basically. And for her usually people if they're really bad they have one. Or if they're okay, they got two, which is you know still pretty doable. She had three dice, so I don't think she was gonna fail anytime soon. <laughs> and it's funny too, cause when we when we first opened up, there was an opposite spot where you had to open up the door to get the actual codes to put them into the the computer before you where you could get the code get the codes to get to get them into that computer system or whatever. O- originally, she wasn't close enough, so I had to have my tank basically have the codes or or. Uh, Actually, no, I had him open the door, and then she was going to grab the codes, but I was like, she was so far away, too. I was like, oh, my God, she's going to end up dying before I even get these codes over there, you know? So then I'd have to have my tank kind of beep-boop over there and try to, you know, put it in. Like, what do I do? I only have one die to roll. I can't, you know, it's just like... And I think that one die that he has, there's only one chance for him to get a success, so it's like one in four shot. Or no, one in six. It's it's six-sided die, so... But, yeah, it's just, again, it's... I just love that game so much. Like, even if you don't like Star Wars, it's just it's just such a blast. Like, I, of course it 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 helps to like Star Wars, but just the way they they do it and like the story that they make and like you can you do a campaign where you just keep hitting these main story arcs, but then it's just like kind of like uh, if you play like an RPG kind of on newer newer video games now and stuff like that, like. You can go on this path of this main story, but every once in a while it opens up these side paths, and you can do these other things where it's like, okay, if you go on this side mission, then you are you can get this special item for this person, a special weapon that will be good in these other main missions. You know, it's just the way they tell a good story in these expansions and, and the base game, it's just, it's just phenomenal. My friend John, actually, he really enjoys the game a lot. I mean, he's a big Star Wars fan, and it's funny, though, like, um, he... He said he never really liked Descent. He felt it was, like, a little, like, too just, like, meh. Mm-hmm. But the changes that they implemented, it's, like... Because Imperial Assault, I think, is, like, 80% Descent. Like, they they changed a few things around. But he said to him it just really upped the quality of the game. Yeah, yeah. There's I really don't... Ha- I mean, besides the trying to get back into it, which actually didn't take that long for us for some reason, even though we haven't played it in a very long time, like... I don't see any negatives about this game. I mean, I really don't. You know, I mean, it's one of those, like, even though they've got a million expansions and all these certain things and stuff like that, and 
you know, a lot of times you talk about like oversaturation. Like I, there's nothing about any of it that like deters me from these games. Yeah, well, what I like about those two, though, is um, you can get them at your own pace. Mm -hmm. It's not like it intrinsically makes the game better. It just gives you more to work with in your game. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah I like that. What about you, Dan? What have you been? What have you guys been doing lately? So uh, recently, we, you know, uh, I've had a little bit of time off of work, so we've been able to catch up on much needed tabletop time. Uh, we got together with uh, our buddies Mike and Julie, and we had a nice long game day. Uh, got to play some Potion Explosion again. Uh, finally, using the expansion, which um, you know, if you have Potion Explosion and you haven't checked out the expansion yet, it's not too bad. It's a little modular. Like they have these professors now that can mix up the game, and they also have like four new potions. And then the new thing is a uh, a ghostly ectoplasm marble that counts as a wild. But you don't get them; they get added by either potion effects or by these professors. So it's not like you just dump 12 wilds into the uh, the shoots and have the game just go crazy. That's uh, pretty fun. Um, if you've been on the fence about Potion Explosion, the app is pretty reasonably priced, and I think the expansion is like 2 or $3 on the app. So if you're like, nah, I don't know if I want another box on my shelf, Potion Explosion is good, and the app is just good enough. So <laughs> that's always an option. Uh, played Sagrada again, so of course, you know, Kim can show off her stained glass making skills, and she... Whooped everyone solidly. This comes as no surprise. <laughs> we actually got to check out two Simon games, uh, one of which was actually Dragon Castle. So we actually we played Mahjong for the first time in our lives recently. And when Kim likes something, she gets into it like whole hog. She's like, yeah, let's check out this and this and this. Dragon Castle is a game inspired by Mahjong tiles. So it has what looks like Mahjong tiles, but not complete sets in the game. And the whole concept is, it's a little interesting and a little weird. It's kind of like there's this crumbling dragon castle, which is you're stacking up the tiles in these like geometric patterns. And they have a whole bunch of different ways of setup in the book, which is cool. So that gives a replayability right out of the gate. And um, every turn you're doing really simple actions. You're either from the edges, because that's what's crumbling, taking two tiles that match or you're taking a tile and like this temple roof or a you're going to take a tile and discard it and just get one victory point so if you find yourself in a spot where you're like i can do nothing you can at least get one point and the whole reason you're taking those temple tiles is every time four tiles of the same suit touch you're going to flip them over and score victory points Right, And then based on what those suits were, you're going to put these little temple roofs on top. So like a level 1 temple is 1 point, level 2 is 2, level 3 is 3. So like you might get like, you know, 5 bamboo together and you're going to flip those over and get, you know, X amount of points. And then put a temple on top. Now that those tiles are face down, you can start building on top of those to make sets. Right, so you got like a little player board, you know, you have like, you got a decent amount of space to work with, like, you never really find yourself like, oh, I don't know where to put this, like, it's not tight, but it is, it rewards you for strategy, because if you space out the tiles and you make like, say, eight or nine of them touch with one tile placement, or two tile placements, you're looking at like eight, nine, ten points, like, you can really rack up good scores by planning ahead. But that also narrows your scope of what you can take because you're spreading out everywhere. 
Um, really simple, really fun. Like I said, the replay seems really high. And then there's other, like, there's these variability cards where it's like the Dragon Spirit, where you can, like, make this sacrifice to do this ad uh, additional action or such. And that's, like, one of the new options. And then there's also, like, these other spirits that'll be, like, game modifiers. So in, like, one of the games we played, it's you don't need four. You can just flip your tiles when you only get three. So, you know, it's like it, it mixes up the game. It's really cool. The tiles look really nice. Kim's instant uh, inquiry was she started laying out all the tiles going like, could we play Mahjong with this too? The answer is no, absolutely not. There's not enough in there. But it's really cool, really fun. Like two to four players. I liked it at two. Um, she liked it at four. So I think this is going to be coming back to the table often. I'm looking forward to playing it with uh, our buddies uh, George Z and Ed soon because... All of these abstract puzzle games, Sagrada, Azul, stuff like that, George kind of just whoops the ever-loving hell out of everyone at the table, unmercilessly, may I add. And uh, so I feel like Dragon Castle will be another game he gets to dominate us in and stuff like that, so that'll be fun. <laughs> so is, is, is George one of those guys that's really good with math? Um, he's pretty good with math, but just like all these abstract games, like uh, I really want to play Santorini one-on-one -on -one with him yeah. and see if... Uh, and see if it's only in group settings or if on a one-on-one -on -one yeah. he has it too. I almost wonder if that's a like a, a like a mathematical th kind of thing because it seems like with abstract games it's like you you know it, it seems like you can if you're mathematically sound you can kind of plan ahead strategies and stuff like that. So I just I was wondering if that you know if, if that might be the thing you know I just I don't know. Well, for its worth, I'm awesome at math, and I suck at all these games. I think it's like spatial awareness too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like knowing when and where to put these things. Yeah. Because um, also, Potion Explosion is another game. The two of them, they play it together a lot, and they whoop savagely in that game. Yeah. So, um, and, and it's funny. It's funny because I think like I feel like abstract games are really starting to pick up speed because I feel like we're starting to find more and more great abstract games now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, um, and we're gonna be getting to one of those in a minute with the uh, Spill the Yards mm -hmm. games. Uh, it's a genre that I think is great for, like, hardcore gamers like it because it is exercising your brain in a smaller game space, and it's great for families too because, you know, a lot of these abstract games usually only have one of two things you can do, like, take a die, take a tile, take a card, you know, things like that. It's all about how you use these things. But one other quick spotlight I wanted to note was uh, we actually got to go to another local uh, board game cafe. It's called the Brooklyn Strategist. Pretty cool place. Uh, the table prices are a little higher than the one in Manhattan. It was, um, it's like 10 bucks for four hours. But they do have a really good library and it's like very up to date and stuff. The quality of their games was very well kept. That's cool. Like, you know, we saw like a tattering on a game or two here and there, but it's not like missing pieces and like cards worn away and stuff like that you know really cool staff really friendly what i was happy about is um so when we mentioned about our being content with our collection we did make a purchase there we picked up dragon castle because the staff was awesome and super knowledgeable which is something that i notice online a lot that's like the main complaint i see from people that their local gaming stores don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> like you know it's like how is this game i don't know okay yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah our so, local game store plays, they have magic tournaments. They have board game nights, but, I, you know, it's like the games you have already, you already know. Oh, let's play Munchkin. Okay, I already know that. What else can we play? Uh, let's play Carcassonne. Okay, I already know that. You know, it's like, and I understand, like, 
you know, a lot of these places have to stay open because of their, you know, the magic is their big pull, but it would be nice to be able to have something else, you know. Yeah, it's almost like a catch-22. It's like, oh, the board games don't sell because people don't pick them up. It's like, yeah, but people aren't picking them up because you don't know how to sell them. You know, it's like you you kind of got to know a little bit about the products to to really help like you know boost those uh, sales mm-hmm. numbers. So now speaking of boosting sales numbers, <laughs> let's do it with our uh, nominees what, <laughs> of uh, Spiel's Disyaris, shall we? <laughs> that's what we in the biz call a uh, a segue. Yes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we've got oh. some. <laughs> Dog does not like segues. <laughs> <laughs> segues, no likey. So, on a quick side note, so I just wanted to bring up a little something cool I found out about Spill the Yars. Apparently, it was like created in like '78. Oh wow! So this is going to actually be like the yeah the 40 year anniversary of Spill the Yars, which sounds awesome. Yeah. When so when I was talking about boosting spells, uh, sales, uh, you'll notice like a lot of times once that Spill the Yars nominee or Spill the Yars winner is uh, like label is on a game package. The sales usually do boost up a lot. I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, Isle of Sky, when that uh, was up, I think it was 2016. Mm-hmm. Once that won the, I believe it won the Kender Spiel, it was really hard to find for months. Like you could not get it anywhere. And even like Pandemic Legacy Season 1, it was in that same time frame. Uh, you know, it was like people like, oh, $80, $80, I don't know. And then it's like, you know, like, uh, it's a nominee. Well, now I, I mean, I might as well do it. You know, I was thinking about it. I'll, I'll buy it. And it was like, again, like really hard to find. So these like nominees, um, you know, they don't mean everything, but they definitely do help uh, recognize a game for being in it, you know, what it is in its field and really help like, you know, move product. So anything that's on this list, once it's available, there's a really good chance you'll know somebody that has it. Oh, yes, I'm sorry, that's right, it was a Kenner spiel that uh, they won. The Kenner, I believe, is children. Kenner is, like, intermediate game. And then spiel is... Yeah. Uh, so, like, the yeah. Kenner spiel, like, here, here's your nominees. Broom Service, Elysium, or Orleans for 2015. Those are... That's some pretty good games right there. Here's your games of the, games of the year. You've got The Game, Machi Koro, and Colt Express uh, for 2015. Uh, the year that you were talking about... Uh, that was 2016, Isle of Sky, Pandemic Legacy Season 1, and Time Stories. All very great games. Uh, and then Game yeah. of the Year, Codenames, Emotep, Karuba. I mean, obviously, you know, they know what they're talking about when they pick these games for, you know, Game of the Year and stuff like that. You know, it's a prestigious award. It's like, you know, a lot of times if you go to your local game store, you will see, a, you know, that game will have that nice little... Uh, you know, either a nominee or a winner kind of, you know, tattooed onto the box, you know. Obviously, they, you know, it's people in the industry that, you know, know exactly, you know, what makes a great game. Uh, let's let's actually start, let's start with the kids game of the year, just because I was kind of curious about it. Um, I actually looked these up. These are games that I've never, I'm not going to, I'm going to tell you I've never heard of. And I had to kind of, you know, look them up individually just because I thought they were interesting. Um, the first one I'd like, uh, I'll talk about is Emojito. So basically what it is, it's just car- a bunch of different cute cards with different characters that look like emojis. So you've got, like, some that look like, you know, 
one that looks like an animal, one that looks like cheese, one that looks like, you know, just a regular emoji and stuff like that. What you're supposed to be doing, you're supposed to either act them out with a facial expression to get the most points, describing it for the second most points, or using both to get the least amount of points to, you know, get people to do it. For I, you know, I kind of watched the video on it, like the sales video and stuff like that. For some reason, this this one just did not did not pull my attention. You know, I I can understand how maybe some kids would be into it just because the whole emoji thing is just so, you know, such a big thing with kids and adults alike. You know, I see you know adults using emojis all the time and stuff like you know stuff like that too. But this is just one of those games that when I saw it, I'm like, I don't know. I can see a kid getting into it, but. I don't know if it would be fun for any of the parents to do, you know. And the video that they had selling this game was a bunch of adults doing it. And when I saw it, I was kind of like, this looks awkward. I don't know. It just looked, it looked odd. I don't know. I don't know what it was about it. Did it give you the same feeling in your stomach when you see people playing like that mouth game? With oh, the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the mouth oh, my piece God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're thinking <laughs> to yourself, that's just all types of wrong, you know. Like that's that that seems like a torture device more than a you know than a, a game you know. One of the other uh, nominees for Children's Game of the Year uh, was uh, the last couple are ones that I actually think would be interesting and kind of fun for parents and adults alike. Uh, the next one is called Panic Mansion, and you get these cards, these kind of like uh, uh, square cards, and each of them has like certain items on them. Okay. And each person gets this box that's like this uh, mansion, basically. And they all have, I think it's like six or eight rooms. And then there's these items that are in the rooms. There's like little uh, weird-looking snake pieces. There's uh, like circular eyeballs. And there's like people meeples. And there's some like uh, uh, small um, little square tokens and stuff like that. And what you're supposed to do is when you flip that over, it's got, you know, you can play a couple of different ways, but the main way is like you've, when you see the original card, the opposite side of the card is the room. So it'll have a color and kind of a look on it. So you'll be able to look on the, look in your room and be like, okay, this is the room I need to get it. And then you flip it. And then those are the items you're supposed to get. And while each, each room has a little door that's only, you know, so open so much. And then what you're doing is you're taking this box full of items and you're trying to kind of shuffle the box around to get all the pieces in the right spot before the other person. And it's weird because it, it doesn't seem like it would be like super all that fun, but if you go online, you, you know, pause this, take a couple minutes, look at the picture of like the pieces and stuff like that, the pieces are awesome. And it just seems like, you know, because the eyeballs, they're, they're you know, fast rolling because they're, you know, they're little balls. So they're, of course, they're going to roll all over the place wrong. And then the snakes are kind of like, almost like zigzaggy pieces. So like those are going to be harder to kind of get in the rooms. And there's, you know, little meeples and stuff like that. So it's just harder to get, you know, it's a different strategy for each of them. And then there's different variants on that and stuff like that. And I just, it just looks like that would just be a ton of fun for adults and kids alike. I think it would just, that would be it. Like if you're thinking of like, even like an adult party, you'd be like, okay, let's have a few drinks and then try to see if we can get any of this stuff to work out right, you know? <laughs> But I just thought it looked cool, so I think that would be fun. No, so this sounds pretty cool, yeah. actually. Yeah, it's a, it's it's funny because you know a lot of these nominees, and I'll kind of talk about it. Like 
for game of the year, Azul, I, I just skipped to it, skipped to it right ahead. I think that's the only game I really know about. These other games, I'm just finding out basically for the first time. So it's nice to be able to like, yeah. oh, this looks cool. Where, how come I never heard of this one? You know. So I just want to quick note one of the other uh, in the um, Kinderspiel, the uh, the uh, Funkle shots, which is actually Dragon's Breath. That's another game that looks pretty cool. I, this is a game that I think would be like really cool for kids because um, the whole concept it's dragon children find all this treasure frozen in the ice, but since it's too heavy to lift, they have to melt it and try to grab all the gems or anything. I'm like that could be kind of fun for kids. Like I can see them having a lot of fun with that. Yeah, yeah that's another another um, one where I looked at the video and I'm like, wow, this looks super fun. And it's by Haba, which I don't think I've ever played a game by Haba that I disliked. Yeah, they're definitely a pedigree in and of themselves. Um, so, uh, so looking at some of the Game of the Year nominees, we got Azul, Luxor, and The Mind, right? I, my feel is like, I think Azul is going to have to take this yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. Luxor, Luxor, I don't know much about. Um, I'll, you know, I haven't looked too much into that one. But The Mind, it's very interesting. It's very fun. It's almost of a similar feel to the game. Isn't it the same company? Uh, yeah, I believe okay. so. And the, the difference in the mind, though, is that you're getting a number of cards equal to each round, and they have to go in numeric order ascending. So if you get a 9 and I get a 20, you have to play the 9 first and I have to play the 20 first. The only rule, though, is we don't speak during the entire game. You have to be inside my mind. It's not out in the U.S. yet, but they have it at Uncommons. Um... The owner actually got it when he was in Germany. We played it, we made it to like round four or five a couple of times, but never past that. The whole thing is like when a card is played out of sequence, you lose a life, you get a bonus life every three rounds, and then uh, starting around two, five, eight, and if you're playing uh, up until 12 rounds, 11, you can get a shuriken, and that when all the players agree to use that, you discard your lowest card. So when you have a five card hand, it's like, okay, Kirk got rid of an eight, you got rid of a 54. He has all high cards. Cool. I know he has stuff for later. You know, it's kind of fun. I like it. Um, but Azul, I think, I feel like Azul is going to get it just because of, you know, like it, it just has like some type of staying power. Like Azul is something that a lot of people enjoy. Keep coming back to the double-sided board. If you want to like, you know, create your own patterns, it's a nice little touch. I feel like Azul has a really good running in this yeah. one. It's one of those games that, for me, when I personally play this game, it's just I've always had a ton of fun. Just like Dana had mentioned with some other games that he plays, like Sagrada, I get whooped in it completely almost every time. But that's you know staying part of a game is when you want to play it again, even if you've get, gotten whooped or gotten beat or whatever. You know, I, I know there's some other people that are probably on the opposite side of that. You know, they play a game, they get beat, they're like, this game will never be played again because I like to win games. <laughs> But um, I was actually I actually looked up Luxor and Luxor. Even though I've never played this game, is a game I would like to check out myself because it's it's almost like a roll and move game except for you use cards as your moves. And you, basically, what you're trying okay. to do is you're trying to get in, get deeper and deeper into this temple, and you start out with one meeple. But as you're going in, there's other meeples that are kind of as you go inside more you can you get another meeple to kind of help you out 
which I don't I, I don't kind of understand. I'm like, okay, if you're trying to get deeper into the temple, why are there people in the temple already just waiting for you? But hey, that's just a mechanical thing, and it's it's almost like getting the extra guy when you're playing, like, you know, some of these uh, worker placement games and stuff like that. But when you have cards in your hands, you, you they have certain numbers for movement, but you can only use the movement cards that are on the left and on the right further sides of your hand. So then that determines, okay. you know, different movement and stuff like that. And then also as you get in further and further in, the more meeples you have in, wherever they end up, like you're always going to have one that gets to the end and you get uh, like bonus victory points. Like the first person in the middle gets five victory points and the second person gets three. But then if once you finish, once two people, once both players get into the middle, that game ends. But also if you have meeples, depending upon where they are in the temple, you can get extra points there too. As you get deeper and deeper, they give you more victory points, but also there are spaces that don't have any victory points. So if you get stuck on a spot that doesn't have any, then you kind of screwed yourself out of a lot of points. Um, yeah, you can also get other end game scoring stuff, like there's scarabs that you can get that have points on the opposite side. They're like scarab tokens. Uh, you have to get a key to get into the final spot, which gives you one extra victory point. Um, it's a set collection thing too, where you can get different things, kind of set collect to get different points. And yeah, it's just one of those games that like I, it, it's a, another queen. You know, I queen queen games always makes a lot of good games, but I never hear enough about queen games. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh whoa, it's on Amazon for half off or something like that. I'll try it, you know. And then I try it and I like it, you know. It's like I feel like I don't know. There's just something in in the scheme of things where queen games are making great games, but we're not hearing about them as much as we should be. Yeah, I, I feel like Queen Games is, um, there was a, a video game publisher, THQ, that always made pretty good games, but they were never AAA titles. And I feel like Queen Games is that in board games, because, um, I mean, they did Kingdom Builder, which was um, Spill the Yards, I believe, a while back, and it, but it's like Amerigo, awesome, you know, um, uh, Fresco you know, urbanization, like they have like a lot of great titles and I I don't know what it is. Like, you know, I guess cause they didn't make terraforming Mars and they, you know, they didn't make Orleans and stuff like that. They just kind of like, they, I don't know if they have a title in the last like couple of years. That's, you know, that, that yeah, top yeah. shelf game, you know, like the, yeah. the t- highest of the quality, but I mean, they, they are reliable, like not, you know, I, I've granted, I've not played all their stuff, but, Pretty much everything I play from them, I've been pretty pleased with. But uh, they don't have tens, like, but they got very solid sevens and eights, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's one of those companies that if you play a game by them, rarely are you going to be disappointed, which I like. And I this is a weird going back, but I want to go back to give credit to that Panic Room game is Blue Orange Games, and they that's another company that always to me always makes great games they're not going to make your terraforming mars but they're going to play they're going to make those games that are fun to play and that are just i don't know i feel like when they make games they're kind of they're not outside of the box but they're a little left of center which you know kind of catches the mind like they made king domino they made this you know they just they made dr eureka they're just fun cool games that you just you know, a lot of times you wouldn't think of, but they seem to put a good stamp on it. Um, so, real quick, looking into like the the connoisseur level, 
Now, I'm only going to attempt this guy's name once because I don't want to butcher it because he is a prolific designer. <laughs> it's either Wolfgang Worsk or Worsch, but I think it's Worsk. Um, so he's he did The Mind, which is up for Game of the Year, and he also has two games uh, in the Kennerspiel. Thank you very much. We also have a guard dog on duty, making sure that we don't insult any of these designers. Um, on, on a similar level, uh, so he has, like I said, he has two, um, which again, these are going to be butchers. Uh, Die Quacksalver von Quidlinburg and Gone Sean Clever. <laughs> two of the games he has in the Kennerspiel. And the third is uh, Kiesling, also behind Azul, uh, with Heaven and Nail. Again, now... Sometimes the Kennerspiel usually leads to these games coming out to America sales in blockbuster numbers. Um, Heaven and Nail is already in U.S. market. Uh, what it's going to place, I'm not really sure on this one. Um, this is like, this one, I don't know if I see the solid winner in this one yet. Uh, do you have like any picks? Is there anything that you think is going to be up for the... Uh... Well, the he the heaven and a heaven and ale. When I hear people talk about it, I hear that they like it, but that's usually just social media talking on like through like Twitter and stuff like that. Um, the other games I've never heard of, so it's hard to say. Like one of them, that one it looks like a like almost like a roll and write with dice. Yeah. And then the other one is kind of like a uh, die Quacksalber von Quindenlimburg. Boy, I'm terrible at that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it says it's charlatans making their own secret brew, drawing ingredients from shared supply bag to do it. Uh, you know, it looks kind of cool, but in you know, in the same aspect, it just because I've never played a game like this. Like the art looks amazing on it. I mean, it looks fantastic, and it looks like it would play well. But again, I you know, I, I don't have enough. I don't have enough information to like make a solid bet on it. You know. Yeah, I mean. uh I mean, just you had me at charlatan for that. <laughs> I, that makes me want to look at this bad. Yeah, sometimes it's really hard to figure these out without the um, like the U.S. releases and all. You know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's really tough. I mean, obviously they're up here for a reason, so they must be, you know, great in great in ways. You know. Yeah, I mean, um, like this one, it does look like you know pretty interesting. Um, just like design-wise, uh, you know, the art is interesting. The the style setup looks really cool. Um, if I, I if I pick up a German copy, I can always just convince Kim that it's alchemy of some sorts, and she'll probably be interested. Um, like, ultimately, I would love uh, the other two to come to the U.S. Like, Heaven and Hell seems interesting. Um, it's it's one of the things that surprised me is uh, I only got to sample it for a short bit, like definitely not enough to feel really comfortable talking about it. But it's kind of funny because like when I when I first heard about this game, I thought it was like, you know, like like heavy euro, uh, like worker placement. You know, that's what it sounds like. You know, it actually has a surprising amount of puzzle abstract, you know, like uh, puzzle concepts and like you know placement uh, requirements, like when you acquire your tiles and everything. Which, mm -hmm. you know, threw me for a curveball because, like, I was thinking, you know, like, oh, it's just, you know, collect goods, re return goods, you know, receive product. It's a, there's a little more to it than that, which is interesting, um, including, like, a, uh, like, light and dark side of your board where you place those things that you acquire. So, you know, again, it seems pretty cool. 
The other thing that we have on this year's for the Spiel Yars is there is the special prize, uh, the Sonder Prize for Pandemic Legacy Season Two, which uh, nice. Legacy Season Two. I'm kind of glad it's not up for Game of the Year because you kind of feel like it would win even though it doesn't have to. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I mean, like you know, the fact that it's Pandemic Legacy Season Two is is award enough, but I'm glad to see it's getting acknowledgement uh, at this year's. Yeah, and it's funny too because even when I was looking it up on their website, like one of the spots they miss they miss uh, spoke on it or miswrote on it. So on one part on their website it says special price, and I was like, ooh, how much can I get this for? Fun <laughs> this week only forty dollars. Um, yeah. but taking a quick look back at a little bit of yesteryear, so like a lot of people like you know like oh like what is you know uh, what does like the the prize really mean or what does the nominees really mean? But just like looking at like last year, we got King Domino, Magic Maze, and El Dorado that were uh, for Game of the Year. King Domino winning it. But all those games you've probably heard of and seen like in popularity and everything. Like Magic Maze is pretty interesting. King Domino is a shocking hit. I mean, you're the one that uh, first told me about it. Then I started looking into it. I ended up going with Queen Domino. King and Queen Domino were good enough that uh, they were mentioned in our three steps uh, in a recent episode. For the uh, Connoisseur game, we got Exit, Raiders of the North Sea, and Terraforming Mars. Um, I remember a lot of people were outraged that Exit won. They were like, how is that better than Terraforming Mars and Raiders? Give the Exit games a try if you have not. They are very interesting and very outside the box. I think they bring uh, something new to it. And then we got Ice Cool, Captain Silver, and the Mysterious Forest. Uh, For the Children's Game of the Year... Um, Ice School is probably really interesting because it's the closest thing to like a Crokino game for kids. Uh, as you're flicking these penguins and they like you know bounce around the rooms like trying to catch the fish and everything, uh, very cool. Um, a couple of other years ago, we got like uh, we mentioned 2016, Codenames winning, awesome for Game of the Year. Alice Guy uh, for the Counterspiel, which was Alexander Fister, very happy for that. Time Stories and Pandemic Legacy Season One were in the running for that. Uh, just some of the previous winners, though. Cult Express, uh, Broom Service, and Spinderella for 2015. 2014, we got Camel Up, uh, that won. And it was going against Concept and Splendor. So that's, that's a, you know, that's a tough fought race. Uh, Istanbul, Rococo, and Concordia. Now, Istanbul won, but all three of those are amazing Euro games. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a lot of people now that have just, uh, just um, it feels like on Twitter and like some of the friends I know like have just bought Concordia for the first time and just rave like, how have I not played this game before? And and here's one of the ways they may not have played it. It was out of print and going for like a hundred and fifty dollars for a while. That's ridiculous. And knowing that you can get it again for a lot of time, like under fifty bucks online. Play Concordia. Also, play Rococo. A lot of people have this, oh, I don't want to make, play a game about making dresses. It is a solid game with really unique uh, mechanics in it. Uh, 2013, Hanabi, Augustus and Quicks. People still playing Hanabi to this day. For Kenderspiel, we got Legends of Andor, Bruges, and the Palaces of Carrara, which, I mean, how Bruges didn't win it breaks my heart, but... <laughs> All those games are amazing. 2012, 
uh, Kingdom Builder, Las Vegas. Uh, Kingdom Builder, the winner that year. Village from uh, Inca and Marcus Brands. 2011, Quirkle was actually Game of the Year, uh, winning out over Asara and Forbidden Island. And for the, uh, the heavier games, Seven Wonders won that year. Nice. That's a game I'd like to t- bring to the table again. I haven't played that. That's another game that Mike has that I'm like, man, we should play that again. I haven't played that in so long. So to quick roundup, uh, 2010, Dixit brings home the prize. Dixit is that old, man. I, can, I can't even believe it. Yeah, that's insane. Eight years old already. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and still coming out with expansions. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. You know it's the old tried and true. I do like it when people uh, do the ultimate mix when you use uh, Dixit cards and play code names with them, <laughs> nice. which is always pretty interesting. Prior to that, 2009, Dominion wow. uh, brings it home. Yeah, it's weird because I I would I see Dominion as way older than Dixit. <laughs> to me, it just seems like. Now, and yeah, right, it, it seems, it doesn't seem like, you know, like such a, ga- and then you're like, oh, wow, it was a year apart. Yeah. Uh, and now, looking back, finally, last but not least, uh, going back 10 years ago, Reiner Knizia's Celtis was the winner of 2008, beating out Stone Age, Blocks, uh, Su- uh, Suliki- Sulikia, and Witch's Brew, which years later would be Broom Service. Wow. Yeah, and actually bring home a win, which is cool. And then the special award for complex game went to Agricola for UA Rosenberg in oh. 2008. Agricola, 10 years ago. Yeah. Winning the complex game award. And still to this day, bringing a new level of misery to people scoring. Some of these styles, it's you know, it's I, you look at these and you're like, oh my god, it's it, you know, I've been playing it for that long and it's been around for this many years. So it's just interesting to see, like you know, like uh, which you know, like you look at these titles and see what has endured, like, you know, like what is still being played, like Orleans still being played. Uh, I mean, granted, only three years ago, but from like 2013, Hanabi, I still see that hitting the table. Uh, if Bruges ever got a reprint, I'm sure it would sell like gangbusters. Mm-hmm. They just got to get that back in the market. Um, Vi- Kingdom Builder, I still see a lot of people play. Village, maybe not so much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know when the last time I saw somebody playing Quirkle was. <laughs> you know what's funny? We were just looking at, we're going to a, a con next weekend. We just looked at, we have that copy of that because I don't even, I we've had that game forever. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm thinking, man, when's the last time we played that game? Yeah, it's funny that you brought that up. Yeah, you're like, oh, spill yours, let's buy it. And then eight years later, it's in the shrink wrap. And you're like, oh, man, we should bring that this year. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. But, like, I do see Dixit still being played. Uh, Dominion still going. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's one of, um, that's one of the games. That's one of the first... One of the first uh, major games, like one of you know of the you know if you're thinking of the more crunchier games and stuff like that, that I started with. So I have a I have a big place in my heart with Dominion. Uh, Tracy, not so much. So it's hard to get that to the table. But you know, I still you know every once in a while I'll, I'll kind of you know either get Mike or get her to play it just because you know again it's one of my first. So I have a special it has a special place in me. So very cool. So, um, like I said, I'm very interested in seeing, you know, 
years from now, which of these are still going to be hitting the table? Like, the, I think this title carries a little more weight than some people give it credit for, and I'm really curious to see how it uh, how it goes for these games as time goes yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think if you see that nomination or winner you know left on it, I think you're gonna be pretty much guaranteed a great game. So, cool. Soon. Yeah. Uh, one last bit of, for you, by the way, in 1980, for the solitaire game, <laughs> Rubik's Cube. <laughs> nice. Things were very complex. 1980 did not have nearly as many designer games, so, I mean, you know, you, you do what yeah. you got. Hey, you do hey you that got. game is still really complex. I still can't do anything with it, so, <laughs> hey, good for you, <laughs> Rubik's Cube. Like, Logan has one of those, and he's still disappointed gets disappointed by it i'm like dude i cannot help you <laughs> when it comes to that kind of stuff help you it's always the greens yeah. man Can't i get just the greens i just up. peel off the stickers so that's how i do it <laughs> <laughs> all right so you agree to disagree you know make sure you join us uh, uh follow us on twitter at mfgcast join our facebook page you know just say hey you know these are the ones they even have a recommended list of uh, games that you can vote for too on there. I for some reason I can't find them. I had them, and now all of a sudden I can't find the recommended list. They have the they can you can kind of recommend. I don't know if it's the judging the judges that can kind of throw those in or not or whatever. But yeah, if you guys have anything that you think that should win out all you know over the other ones that we've talked about, you know, let us know because you know if there's some games we you know we missed, let us know. We'll kind of talk about it on the next episode or we'll talk about it um, on our. Uh, on the Twitter verse or Facebook verse or whatever, because we like to talk about that kind of stuff and just to see if there's anything that we're missing too. Because hey, we like to play games too, you know. That's why we're doing this. So yeah, I'm curious if there's any game that somebody feels outraged. Yes, that did not yes. Get nominated Bring us your outrage. We want to hear it. We love it. Because <laughs> I do remember countless podcasts going, "How did Terraform Mars not win?" <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome. Okay. I want to know what will make you mad this year. Yeah, exactly. Let's do this. So until next time, I'm Kurt. And this is D. Wyatt. And thanks for listening. This was the MFG Cast. Legends of Tabletop Podcast. Creating legends one die at a time.